Are you a hybrid athlete who wants to learn more about how to combine your strength and endurance training? Well, I've written a new book, The Science of Hybrid Training. In this book, I provide insight into the misconceptions surrounding strength and endurance training by distilling the past 50 years of research and drawing on the conversations I had with great scientists, coaches, and athletes on the Progress Theory podcast. This book is essential reading for hybrid athletes and coaches who are looking to understand the key training variables and their effect on the simultaneous development of strength and endurance performance. Get your copy now, available to buy from Amazon. Now, let's get into the show. Podcast world, hello and welcome to the Progress Theory podcast. This is the roundtable number three. Now, I want you to take you back to the first roundtable episode where myself, Daryl Green and Matt Tyler decided on who would be on our Mount Rushmore of the greatest athletes of all time. And one of the key characteristics all of those athletes had was the ability to deal with adversity. Anything that was thrown at them, they were still able to deal with it and become a champion. So ultimately, that led us to discuss today's topic. We wanted to really know about mental resilience. So first of all, what is mental resilience? What's the difference between mental toughness and mental resilience? What kind of personality traits or psychological characteristics does someone need to be mentally resilient and ultimately are we a product of our environment and our experiences are everything that we do lead us to develop the skills necessary for mental resilience and finally because we're all either academics or or coaches how does the gym environment or gym culture actually create mentally resilient people how does that environment develop the skills necessary to transfer to other skills in everyday life. So here is our discussion on mental resilience. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. So every time there's a new episode, it goes straight to your phone. Leave us a review. So we love doing these. And we're on YouTube and you can catch us on Instagram as well. Our handle is at progress underscore theory underscore. So check it out. Progress Theory Roundtable, episode three. Right then, boys, let's go. So, number three, progress theory roundtable. And we wanted to carry on our discussions. Awesome. A topic that sort of came about based on our previous discussions around training and like who are the best athletes of all time. And then when messaging, what was it yesterday? What shall we what were the key things we wanted to talk about? The main one was mental resilience. And it was mainly your idea, wasn't it, uh, Tyler? So what I think will be really cool is try and define it because we we started off the functional fitness one with some passionate definitions regarding that so i think that's the best thing to do now let's let's really define what mental resilience is and like what are we trying to achieve when we're working with people in gyms and all that sort of thing so right i'm going to start with you tyler i was going to say that because i've looked it up i've looked up the official definition my like my mental definition of it now is warped because i know what the actual definition of resilience is so if we go if daryl gives his put input on it and then i'll give my input on to how mine is yeah. different to what the the dictionary says as yeah, such yeah. 
Is that where you got your definition from? I've got a definition as well. So I think we've all three of us have probably got a definition that we've got from different sources. So it'll be interesting to see how much we agree with it and if they align with what we originally thought. Wikipedia is a solid like source of information though, right? Solid. It is now. <laughs> I, th- I think it is. It, well, it, it, I wouldn't cite it in academic work, but uh, you know, unless someone's having a laugh and trying to screw it up, you know, Wikipedia isn't that bad. It's a good starting point anyway. We'll go with that then. Daryl, what's yeah. your uh, definition of mental resilience? Um, so I, I'll, I'll just go off resilience as a whole because I think it, it will just tie into into the mental thing. But kind of the, the ability to bounce back from some kind of adversity that's happened or a failure even um, and kind of overcome it. And if, if you don't come back at least as strong, stronger you come back at least as strong as you were at the time of that event happened and you can kind of find a way to to deal with it and kind of put it at the back of your mind and and move forward and carry on moving forward to what your your focus is on so just to, I'll just summarize that it's basically instead of something bad happening and you holding on to that that event and constantly thinking about it you can kind of overcome it move forward and continue pushing towards your your goal or, or whatever it is you're trying to achieve at that time mm. developing a set of skills to be able to deal with stresses better later on yeah yeah is that similar to the one you had uh tyler so yes but also like so with mine i guess before looking into the official official definition of it was as much as it was part of bouncing back, which Daryl's put perfectly there, like bouncing back from like something's happened or not gone your way or a trauma or anything like that, almost, I guess in my head, I was trying to use the definition as a term of trying to stop needing to have to bounce back from something. So it was almost more like trying to develop the ability to, um, to not need to deal with, adversity and failure and stuff like that looking into the definition of it and understanding it's actually accepting the accepting that things aren't going to go well accepting that things aren't going to um go to plan whether it's a game plan or whatever it's going to be and almost immediately picking yourself back up and moving on from that Mm. um so i guess that's where my before looking into it my definition of it was slightly different it was almost trying to build up more of a barrier to prevent the need to bounce back from something in my head head it it sounded clearer than when i was trying to say it out loud no no, that does make sense It, it, it rings a bell with some of the stuff i've read as well um so how was the dictionary definition varied from that dictionary so they got two um and both are kind of related so they got uh the dictionary says definition of resilience is capacity to recover quickly from difficulties um toughness being one of them um and the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape so like elasticity for instance okay which both tie in very much with what daryl said mm. Yeah, I, I guess from a definition sense, like resilience can be mechanical resist uh, resilience, um, biochemical resilience, all sorts of like how the body sort of yeah. uh, deals with stress. 
but I guess whenever people say the word resilience, they straight away go towards sort of mental resilience, don't they? Mm-hmm. From more of a psychological perspective. What was yours then? So what, how was, before you looked into it or did your definition you found kind of sit in key with what you thought? Yeah, kind of. I mean, originally from like a real broad sense, I always saw mental resilience regarding withstanding, um, you know, the ability to deal with pressure that they're experiencing. So you're dealing with a certain experience and it's your ability or your, your characteristics, which enables you to deal with that stress and um, kind of elaborate on the key things that you said, bounce back or maintain a certain level of ability. Um, and the more and more I sort of read into it, I found that, I don't know, often people think, oh, you've been knocked down by adversity or some kind of thing has happened to you and it knocks you back. And then it's all about coming back. But really it's, and the more and more I read into it, it's more about sort of maintaining a certain output despite what's going on around you, you know, the stress that's coming in. Um, I found the work of a particular researcher, uh, Mustafa, I don't want to get, Sarka. He's from Nottingham Trent University. And um, he's done quite a lot of really interesting research around mental toughness. Um, and one of his papers, he, he looked at how the definition of uh, mental resilience has developed over the years. And he's sort of brought it together from the, the most recent definition. I'll read it out. Um, so the role of neutral processes and behavior in promoting personal assets and protecting an individual from the potential negative effect of stresses. So in how that's developed over time is that they've removed the, the word adversity for the word stresses because they feel that that's more of a neutral term. You know, stress can come in many different forms and how we perceive stress is going to vary with everyone. So they then, you know, that's more neutral and that can be uh, perceived in different ways, whereas adversity always seems like something negative and it's really set you back. So I thought that was quite an interesting development of the term of mental resistance uh, resilience. And the other key thing I thought was really quite interesting, which came about when reading about it rather than you know because I yeah, I suppose I really did think about coming back from and that's what you see from adversity you think something happened and it's negatively affected you and it's all about coming back and I'm sure there's a level of of that but he kind of defines it regarding sort of resi- resilience generally refers to the ability to maintain normal function rather than restoration or enhancement and I'm the more I read that it kind of resonated with me because whenever you see or hear about someone that's really mentally resilient, I don't know, let's say David Goggins, his ability just to keep going despite all the things that are happening to him when he described, uh, was it the bad water he did? Have you guys read his book? Where no, he did, I think it was like the 132 mile run through the Death Valley or whatnot. Yeah. It sounded absolutely horrendous, but you know his ability to deal with all the stresses that have come back. And his, you know, it was despite all these things appearing really negative, he was still maintaining the output. He was still just keeping on running. You know, he wasn't getting better at running. You know, he wasn't running fast or anything like that. He was just dealing with this stress and just maintaining the output. And that kind of, yeah, that kind of resonated with me because a lot of the time when you see someone sort of fight against adversity, they're getting back to their original level. They're not allowing this negative stress affect them and they're working their way through it. 
So that the way you've just phrased that was basically how I would have gone about my understanding of it before without mm. like, I guess the looking on the definition of resilience. So even the way they phrase it in the dictionary there is that the capacity to recover quickly mm. means like you've been hit back or you've been stopped in your tracks or something's caused you to not get the outcome that you w- were either getting or want to get and you've got to kind of pick yourself back up and, and go for it. Um, versus like i think you said the word resist or um uh, early on and it's like resisting it and maintaining what you're doing irrelevant of kind of keeping the, the boat steady irrelevant of what's kind of going on around mm. it very stoic approach the one okay. stoicism has yeah. got very popular recently <clears throat> mm. so yeah i've heard this on another podcast and I, I thought this was quite interesting about if you look at people that are really overweight, like if if what any of us now was to to try and eat so such amount of food that would make us we would feel like utter shit, right? We'd mm. if we was to try and stuff in as much as what say someone that's super overweight, like thirty stone or ten thousand like, calories a day. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that, like the like the people that are like that, there is people out there that are like that, unfortunately, and they they are doing that every day. They're getting up, feeling like shit, eating all that food again, feeling like shit, eating the, like, is that, are we classing that as resilient? They're resilient to that stress that's coming in from eating up that amount of food, feeling like shit, like, uh, is that a, is that a form of it what what's the stress are they um as in the, well, the, huge the, amount of, the negative physiological yeah. effects of eating so much yeah and they're still like what, maintaining their output yeah. yeah so it's it's yeah they've it's a very similar stress like you're saying david goggins is running all that all their miles he's getting a physiological stress from the running um but he's maintaining his output these guys are getting it from eating a shit ton of food and maintaining their output. But what podcast that, was that on? Um, that was a, well, one of the inner fight ones with a. Yeah. It had a it had a um, Australian SAS guy on Dan Cooper. Okay, and they were talking about that. Um, it was quite interesting. Yeah, it seems but, an interesting take on it. Would it? Would that not be like so, David Goggins? If you look at that 136 mile run. So there's there's a like a there's an outcome to it, right? There's a goal. So like he's on track to want to do this, and then his body is trying to get in the way of him achieving his goal at the end. And his mental resilience is the fact that he is not allowing this this stress to stop him from achieving what he wants to do. If you put it in comparison to these massively overweight people, like what what's their goal? Because if their goal is to survive, like to, to live and get out of bed the next day. And they're almost fist pumping, being like, no, I did. Like, I battled against those 15 Big Macs I had yesterday and I'm still winning because I can still get out of bed. Then I guess to an extent, I think you could see that. But it's like, well, what are they, what are they being resilient against and why? What's like, if they're, if they're on track to want to do something and it's not slowing them down, and they're still moving forward with whatever they're trying to achieve, then I guess, would that not be a sign of the mental resilience versus, 
you know, like I'm struggling to breathe now, but I'm still not going to take yeah. away from my, my five McFlurries I'm having at lunchtime. No, I think you're right. The outcome is really key. Um, and again, I'm going to refer back to the research by Sarkar because he kind of highlights three particular areas that are important for um, mental resilience. Uh, so you've got your personality characteristics. You've got um, sort of the psychological skill that allow you, those characteristics allow you to do. And then you've got your uh, desirable outcome. So I guess, you know, your skills, uh, uh, your personality traits or psychological characteristics that you have and the outcome, well, then you've got an end point and a start point, And then that will determine what kind of psychological skills that you use to try and reach that outcome. Now, if, you're, if your goal is to maintain eating 15 Big Macs a day, obviously this person that we've used in our example has the physiological or the psychological uh, skills and the psychological characteristics which enables them to maintain that outcome however if that outcome changes then all of a sudden you know that link between the three will probably have to change so you probably have to alter his um, psychological characteristics you probably have to change the skill set that he's utilizing to then reach that outcome um, so I guess that in turn is quite important regarding like okay because at the end of the day, both examples that we've used, the, the Eater and David Goggins, satisfy this idea of mental resilience, but they're completely different. Mm. So it's like, okay, why is that? Um, so maybe that link there is really quite key in determining like, okay, it was, it's all mental resilience, but at the end of the day, it depends what the outcome is. So we started, before we started recording we were saying about resilience being different to mental toughness. Mm. Like, so what would be, what would be your difference on definition from mental toughness to resilience? Would you, or, or does resilience just fall under a bracket of mental toughness? I think toughness is one of the sort of psychological characteristics. Um, yeah, I'll try to, uh, so I keep referring to the to the research. Um, one of the key things, or one of the exciting, we're going to get him on as a guest speaker. Phil, is that what you want to do? Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> that would be wicked, actually. Uh, but he, he highlighted key things which are really important physiological factors with it all. So that could be like your positive personality, motivation, confidence, focus, perceived social, all those sort of things. And I think toughness kind of is one of those factors. Um, but I think I need to like, maybe you guys could help me to try and really define it because maybe it is different. I think toughness is, I started in my head, I started defining it and then it kind of just sounded like the definition of resilience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause I'm very much like you. So I, so I, I can't remember where I found this definition from. It was like mind org or something like that. It was just like flicking through the top few searches. You can tell that I'm not a, uh, I'm not a lecturer or I do any kind of further education in any way, shape or form because I uh, just come across the first bit of information I find and that's good enough for me. <laughs> um, no. But uh, so mental toughness, the def a definition of mental toughness was the ability to resist, manage and overcome doubts, worries, concerns, and circumstances that prevent you from succeeding or excelling at a task or towards an objective or a performance outcome that you're set to achieve. 
so it's kind of like covered a lot of like um a large spectrum there like resist manage overcome so like we've said the word resist earlier on so resilience whereas the other definition that i found to resilience was about recovering so actually does mental resilience more so fall in line with what i kind of assumed was mental toughness before Hmm. i wonder if toughness is based on the definition you described is more about you've got your psychological characteristics and they are in a certain way to allow you to do certain skills however those characteristics can also change so you know if they change negatively because that then affects the outcome your ability to resist those changes might be the, t- the toughness that we're describing. Mm. Do you think the when it comes to the mental toughness, it's more the thought, the more the thought of what can go wrong instead of something, the stress happening to you, and um, and then and then you're getting over it instead of so. You, you, you're thinking about what's going to happen prior to it. I know it's a very, there's a very fine line with that, but yeah. in, between the two. Like, as, sorry, as in, like, in your head, you're expecting that something's going to mess up, go wrong, whatever, yeah. is the ability to actually deal with if it does go wrong. Or just put that aside. Like, it, maybe accept that, yeah, things could go wrong, but I can still... I could still do it. Um, I don't like pitch, pitch yourself. I'm using uh, before you come on, Matt. Like I was speaking to Phil about our challenge. Like you're going for a, a super heavy snatch, as an example, and in that split second, like you could think it could go wrong, right? It like it hasn't actually hit you yet, but but already you've put yourself out of the lift. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, so is is the mental toughness the part of being able to almost ignore that or... Um, it's starting to sound you know. like it's the skill. The skill of avoiding catastrophizing future ideas that may not even come to fruition. As in, you're thinking like, oh, I could fail this snatch. Well, actually, if you don't even if that thought doesn't even come into your, your mind, then all of a sudden you're in a better psychological state to actually achieve that particular goal. Yeah. So the, the toughness of... Is that not yeah. falling of confidence a bit though? Is that not confidence in your skill, ability, mm. body? So I take, I, so I experienced this yesterday a bit, right? So I sent you guys the video of me front squatting yesterday. And I the last few weeks my training has been wicked. Like everything's been working well. And I hit a bit of a, I was a bit fatigued last week to hit a little bit of a wall. And then out the back of that, I've had a couple of sessions that just have been like a little bit tougher and not saying it's a confidence thing, but it probably is a confidence thing. Anyway, warming up yesterday to try and max out my front squat. Wicked. Warm up, you know, like in a warm up where even doing an air squat, like your legs feel good. You're like, oh man, this is like, today's good. Nothing hurts. Everything's going well. Other days you've warmed up and you're like, oh, my hips a little bit sore, my lower back's a bit, whatever. Like yesterday was wicked. And I was flying up and I was putting weight on the bar and I'm like, yeah, today's the day. I've got a number in my head of what I want to hit and going on like that. 
And uh, my previous one match was 170. My, my year goal was to squat 175, but it felt so good that I was squatting. I hit 170 easy, and I was like, chuck 180 on there. I'm not even going for 175. I'm going straight for 180. Don't want to waste no energy on, one, on 175. Two, and in my head, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm like, oh, I've got this. This is going to go up. It's no problem. Took the bar out of the rack, stepped out of the rack. And just before I started my squat, I felt so comfortable that I almost exhaled a little bit too long. Just a little bit like, and then in my head, I've gone, shit, I've got, I've got nothing internally to brace against. So I've kind of panicked and done a little half. But as I've started my descent into the rep, in my head, I've gone, I've got, I've got nothing inside me. I've got no brace. I don't, I feel like I've like lost my tension in my core before anything's happened. And then went down, came up out of it, didn't make the squat for whatever reasons, probably not even linked, but in my head, I'd already, that split second of doubt had already given me a get out of jail free card of like, oh, you know what? I can tell everyone that, oh, I just, I lost my breath. I lost my breath. But it wasn't that because I knew that before I'd even started the squat, in my head, I'd already had that split second of doubt. Mm. So I just, I just found something. It's quite interesting. It almost yeah. relates to that. Um, the definite, like almost a definition or a statement about mental toughness. Mental toughness is many different things, and rather difficult to explain. Its qualities are sacrifice and self denial. Also, most importantly, it's combined with perfectly disciplined will that refuses to give in. So you almost like if I could tie it to that squat, like. You, once you knew you'd done that exhale, it's almost like you've given in inside. Yeah. Like you've in inside your head, you've already, yeah, I'm not going to make this, but I'll try anyway. Like it's that. Mm. Like I know I'll get that a lot, especially gut training for this challenge. I've had it a few times when lifting. Like I, I'm not going to lift this, but I'll try it anyway. And you just, I don't know, you just. And it, maybe if you didn't have that little bit there, then you might have been successful. But maybe, I, and I'm facing too. Like I, I'm never going to shy away from something. I know something's too heavy. It doesn't mean I'm not going to give it a go. Where you flip around, a lot of people wouldn't sit up to the bar. A lot of people wouldn't even approach the bar. They're like, "No, I'm not doing it. It's too heavy." You know, like so. I've, I've got that. I'm, I've got my ticket. I'm happy to jump on the ride, but yet that mental toughness, that mental, like, that self-belief potentially when it doesn't go perfectly according to plan, is that used, not just myself, but out, out the bigger picture, is that used a, a few too often as, like, like I said, that kind of get-out-of-jail-free card? Like, mm-hmm. it's all right if I, when I fail it or if I fail or whatever, I've already got an excuse in my head that I can go, that's all right, though, I can walk away from that still feeling happy. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that do that. I guess, but then, but then there's some people that don't even attempt that because exactly. of that because of that fear of failing. That, mm. and I think that's where you could tie it into the resilience, like that. Almost, yeah, resilience is like of carrying on with the the stresses coming in at you. Like you, you still can maintain a. a a good um a good pace at whatever you're doing but i think then the, the ability to learn from it and I, i'm going to come back to that bounce back but i mean 
when I say bounce back, it's just not literally, oh, it's happened, I'm going to come back, but it's having the ability to learn from that. But I don't think people will want to put themselves into that position because they're that fear of failure that comes in. And maybe the mental toughness could be that you're not scared of that failure. And then the resilience is you can t- continue with that failure. Al, would you say that you're mentally tough? Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would say I'm mentally tough. Why do you think you're mentally tough? Uh, <laughs> fuck, that's hard. No, that's not. I guess. Uh, no, I guess. <laughs> because. Time to show off, Daryl. Come on. The. Because of my, I guess, the competitive environment and my previous career in the army, I think, is what's made me mental tough. Um, just some things are never going to go right. Some things are never, some things won't go wrong, but some things will. And you just got to no, just do it. If it goes wrong, it goes wrong. Um, and I almost, there's that thought, yeah, it could go wrong, but I can continue to carry on to attempt it, if that makes sense. The reason I ask you that is I, I, from the, the little that I know about you, I'd say that you were from conversations that we've had. Just yeah. things like your 24-hour row and stuff like that you did. Like there's, there's things like that that people wouldn't even imagine doing. Like I'm doing like a measly 100 burpees a day in lockdown and people are like, you're insane. That's crazy. I'm thinking, you having a laugh? Like, it's literally nothing. Like, it's 10 minutes worth of work at worst for some people. But looking at kind of the commitment or the grit or the sticking to something like that, falling all into that kind of, in my opinion, that umbrella of mental toughness, whether mental toughness is just one thing or whether it falls under kind of, like I say, grit, adherence, you know, ability to keep pushing forward when you can't be asked and you don't want to or things like that, um, which is why I asked you that question to see if you could define why you yeah. thought you were mentally tough. I guess I actually had an interesting conversation with my brother about like motivation mm. and maybe... I think there's a huge difference between mental toughness and motivation. I don't think, I think if you were, if you're requiring motivation and potentially you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, and if you treat it as like, I've got a job to do or I've got a session that I'm doing and that's it. If it's on the board or I've wrote it down, like there's no way I'm not completing it. Um, that 50 K ultra that I did, Believe me, I really wanted to stop and give up. But the, the, if it had took me ten hours, then I would have, I'd have made sure I'd finish it. It's just that I think you've just got you've got the job that you're going to do, and you just need to do it, um, and you do it to the best that you can. Like if you took, if you, if I'm thinking of it as a job because then it can relate to multiple things. But nobody's motivated to wash the dishes, to put washing in a washing machine. Like you just do it because it needs to be done. And maybe when it comes to a sporting side of the side of things and and training, like you just, if, 
if your goal is there to, if your goal is clear and you know what you need to achieve, you've just got to do it. Some days you won't feel motivated. Some days you will. Like it, that doesn't matter. If you have to step in and do the job. I'll yeah. talk about I, it like a job. I think you're right. The motivation is very different from what toughness. I mean, motivation could be more ego focused, I guess, where you're trying to like, oh, my motivation to be better than this person or that person. Or it could be more task focused where it's more, oh, I want to see myself improve at this. So I'm focusing on that. So I think that will depend on people's personality or mm. psychological characteristics. Uh, but it depends on how strong each of them are is what's going to keep them going. Um, my question to you, Daryl, is what do you think are either the greatest personality traits or the skill set you got from being in the army related to your ability for mental resilience? I want to say discipline is number one. Definitely um, just just holding yourself to a high standard um, and whether that be the way you're dressing or the way you're you're showing off your yourself to to people um like almost if you look you're, you're doing it's quite a big deal like you're cert you're you're the army right you're you're keeping people safe like that's your you want to you want to make sure that you do it to the best of your ability i know very cliche, like the army's tagline is "Be the best," right? And I think I don't like. It, I think it has definitely changed now. I'm out. Um, anyone can comment or post about this if they want. It. But the way it was when I was in, like, regardless, you just got shit done, no matter how you were feeling. I don't think I ever went sick one day in the military. Like whilst I was in the army, I never, you know, I didn't. I've and I'm, you'd never take a day off. Like regardless of how you're feeling, you just, you just crack on. I think um, maybe it's the the way you were seen for it. Like people were, people were on like would go sick and they would go down the med center early morning and then they'd get like a something called a sick shit and they'd just get out of all the, like the hard stuff. And they'd live a, they'd have a real cushy life, but then they'd almost be hated for that. Like, and and me personally, I didn't want to. That's not how I wanted to be known. I wanted to be known for doing the best at whatever I'm asked to do. Um, I guess there's a little bit of ego, as in I don't want to be seen this way. In, uh, by the others yeah I mean and then there's tasks is like, I want to be the best I can possibly be at doing this yeah I mean <clears throat> if I was like seriously ill or like then yeah I probably would have but I mean the majority of them wasn't they knew that it was an easy it, would, it was an easy week they yeah. could have a they could have a chilled week they get paid the same as the person that's got the same rank as them regardless um they're not going to get. They're not going to lose their job. Um, so, almost, I want to say lazy. Or it's almost. It was almost a bit of laziness. 
Um, mm. uh, I just, I've had, since day one, I held myself to high standards, and I still do now. Um, and that can be, it can, it can have a negative effect because sometimes you put um, too much pressure on yourself. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the reason I asked is, you know, we talked about like psychological characteristics and the skill set that you have because of those characteristics but ultimately they're the they're the product of your environment and your experiences so i mean the three of us here we all have different environments and different experiences and they're the things that are shaping our characteristics they're shaping our skill set and ultimately we'll probably have different levels of resilience um, and it might be that our levels of re- resilience will be completely different depending on the context of what we're trying to achieve so some situations so Daryl your resilience really comes through and you've got others like Tyler's yours you know your skill set is more applicable in that area um, so I mean that's the, the quite interesting thing because resilience is required in all walks of life not just sport no, you yeah. have someone that's very resilient in the sporting context, but then when you, you take them outside of that sporting context, they don't have the skill set to do it. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's why I asked about the military because the military has always fascinated me. And I just think I've seen yourself and friends, other friends that have come out of the military and they just have this skill set that I'm very jealous of, which I wish I had. Um, yeah, and a lot of that comes down to discipline, ability just to... Uh, you know, just get up and go. Um, I, think, I think it's great. That's why I'd, I read a lot of books about it, just because, you know, you, you find that you're trying to learn the skill set, but the best way of learning that skill set is actually be in that environment. But Yeah, it's almost, you can't fuck up. Almost. Like, regard, like whatever it is that you're going to be doing, you can't, you can't fuck up. So you've got to, you got to make sure you put the work in so you can do it right. And yeah, I get maybe that's like the that's like a background thought that's always just stuck with me. Like I'm gonna continue to do this to because I've said I'm gonna do it, so I'm gonna do it right. Or um, then that just create I'm just truly dedicated because of that um, to whatever I what goal I focus on or have you have you found that the skills that you have there have transferred well to other aspects because that would be quite a nice thing to what just as in just to life or as in yeah because we've talked about how well the skills that you learn in the army seems to transfer to sporting context it seems um, and it'll be interesting to see your ideas around that transfer to everyday life skills, I guess, because we call to see what you guys think of someone comes to your gyms or they're coached by you, coached by you for three months, and you, you kind of put them in an, in, in, an, in an environment so they can develop a new set of skills. And one of the questions you wanted to sort of touch on, Tyler, was like, what kind of skill set does that provide you to help with everyday life everyone's noticing the i don't know they they frame it as the change in mindset that being disciplined with sport and with training allows you to do and how it can transfer really well to everyday life so it'll be interesting to see about like your experiences now that transfer to other 
or develops mental resilience in other capacities? Yeah, when it comes to the military, I think it started more from everyday life and then transferred into my sport or training. Okay. Um, maybe that way for me, because I think like you'd go into training, 16-year-old, um, you've then complete, you have no idea, like you're being taught how to shave. I didn't have one hair on my face, but uh, having to shave every day. Um, <laughs> what with the scissors? Well, there you go. No, do that one. Like you get honest, honestly, like you get taught how to wash properly. You get like taught how to shave. Iron your iron your clothes. It's got to be folded nice and neat. Put in the locker. If it's not, then it's getting chucked out the window. Um, polish your boots. Make your beds. Like all just just stuff that you have to do in life, right? You have like. Yeah. You still do it? Is your is your bed still like obviously not as mm. we're not talking top top pristine as it would have had to have been, but like uh so first thing you do when you get out of bed, get out yeah. of bed. Yeah, yeah, first thing I do is get out. I always make my bed first thing. Um I never unless like something's really gone wrong and I'm super tired, I'll never snooze an alarm. As soon as it's gone, I'm <laughs> I ping up out of bed. I um, wish I could say that. I think I snoozed it 10 minutes this morning. <laughs> it's, it's, it comes comes back to like that. Um, I guess when I started in the military, it was like I was told that that's what I needed to do. If I, if that, if it wasn't like it's supposed to be, then you'd get disciplined in certain ways. Um, but, and it's just, it's then just become a part of my life that it doesn't, it's not that anybody's telling me that it needs to be done. I know that it needs to be done. So if I finish my breakfast, I know I've got to wash the dishes up or put them in the dishwasher or whatever. Um, like I'm not, I don't want to, it's not something you want to do, but it's got to be done. Like I come back to that thing that I was saying about to my brother, like you just, and I, initially i guess it was just built into me from that young age that now i just it's become habitual mm. um and tight and it's transferred over to my training because i wasn't before joining the military i wasn't someone that was into training it actually it switched the day i wanted to join like i was massive overweight child could barely see a neck on me it was just the shoulder and like a head put on top of it um and I went to one army look look at life day with my school and then next day yeah, I'm joining the army or that day I'm joining the army next day 5am before school running running after school literally my it just something completely changed I saw what I wanted to do and went for it and then got into the military and I guess could see be, what being fit in the military could do for me in in terms of career and where it could take me. And you are always liked for being fit and being able. And then, yeah, I just continued that. Mm -hmm. But I think it started from like what I was saying that you're just told you've got to do it, do things a certain way. And you, it almost starts from the fear of failure. 
So you're not you're not mentally tough because you are scared of failing, but because you're that scared of failing, you make sure you do it right. How was that? I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. How was your experiences in the army affected? So Phil and I have had friends in the army. I've had experiences, obviously, through CrossFit. Obviously, there's loads of um, loads of people with previous military backgrounds and stuff like that. I've always found that someone from a military background always kind of has like a bit of an aura about them, a bit of a whether it is maybe they're slightly more reserved or withheld initially in like a social environment or situation. Um, I'm really like that. Right. So with the exception of obviously other like 18 year old, 19 year olds that are in a way, like, you know, we're talking to as a maturity thing and it's pretty, it's run pretty consistent with most people. Like I could almost pick them out of a crowd if I, if I thought they'd had an army like, or military background. So taking that then into consideration and being with, are you with your coaching do you find that you're able to gel, mix, like uh, generate a rapport with your clients like pretty quickly, immediately? Your, you know, your kind of discipline, attitude, um, you know, does that make it tough sometimes if you've, um, you've got Sally, 95 years old, coming in wanting to, you know, lose a little bit and get off the sofa a little bit easier? Um what, as in, like, maybe I'm too disciplined on no, them? Or as in, have you found that you might, like, you know, you struggle to relate sometimes to that because of your mental attitude, um, your toughness, your however it may be? I think initially, yeah. I think over, over the years of coaching, though, I've learned a lot more about behaviours. And when you say, like, about we're a bit reserved, like, when, when I first do assess someone or speak to them I am really reserved I will not um maybe I won't talk so much I'll let them do the talking and I'll just it's almost like I'm being reserved so I can observe hmm. if that makes sense so I can really read the situation and read the person and hmm. and understand them a little bit more it's not like I'm not I'm not doing it yeah, so I've, yeah, and I find that 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 is work that works really well for me. Like I can, and then once I've understood, then I've understood the person a little bit more. I can know how to approach them and motivate them, and almost understand their characteristics, their behaviours, what's gonna their drivers, their like what's gonna make them tick. Almost, what's gonna make them tick to get them to achieve their goal not it's not like typical military discipline I don't enforce that on the people that I'm yeah coaching I think that's just great coaching like so many coaches talk too much and don't listen enough and the reason we listen is exactly what you just described like ultimately if you're trying to develop a coach athlete relationship whoever the athlete may be um, you're trying to find out what their desires are so you can align your skill set to go in the direction that they want to go. Um, and the only way you get to do that is, is listening. If you're only listening to reply and not to understand, you're not going to be able to get the information you need to make the develop the right relationships. So going back to what Tyler was saying about being a little bit more reserved, a bit more observant, 
Like I think that's an incredible skill set that's just perfect for coaching. And maybe that's was sort of ingrained in you in the in the military, but that's probably where you've seen quick success uh, from when you make the transfer from the military to um, coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have actually been um, almost like negatively told that that's been bad, like in, during my coaching career by other coaches, like. Oh, you're a bit quiet. Um, don't really say much. Like maybe because, but for me, I think that works a lot better. I, I can. I, I mean, I will. I, it's not like I won't ignore people. I will say hello and I'll talk to them. But then I will just almost just just watch them and just learn about them and understand them. And then, but that's like natural, right? So like if if you were doing an exam and you were given a case study in front of you, and let's say it's a video case study, and it's saying you've got to pick up what's going on in this situation and blah, blah, blah. You'd sit there and you'd want to watch it and you'd maybe make some notes and you'd like maybe have a look from another angle and like there wouldn't like, you'd study it more, right? But in the human and like all that says to me from that experience you said where other coaches have told you that like you're a bit quiet and stuff like that, I believe often falls down on the... Um, like the insecurities within those people to have to feel the, feel the silence. I don't get me wrong. I'm all for one to stand in the gym, lighten a mood and chat a bit of waffle and be like the person that's like drumming some clients together and, and generating like a bit of a good time and stuff like that all the time. Enjoy that type of environment. However, there's like, you know, they're g some people up and there's just feeling silence because you're not really sure what to do now. Mm. You know, and I think uh, when I first started coaching, I got told uh, when I first started coaching in the fitness industry, I got told um, that I was too reserved and too quiet. And immediately, like initially, one of the reasons I was more withheld was because being new into it, I didn't want to walk into people that had been members of this gym or whatever before. And like in session one, be like, right, you need to do this. You need to, you know, you're trying to build report exactly like you say. You're being a little bit kind of withheld to to observe and give you chance to but as the times have gone on with those certain members that and i don't i don't uh, they're not members of the gym or anything anymore you start to kind of learn more about them that actually it's, it's a more of an insecurity from their perspective of of not liking being in a situation without kind of like self-justification and and blowing smoke up the backside and telling them that they're doing the right thing all the time yeah yeah, completely. And art. It's like in 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 previous, like it's been it's been pressure to try and just go out there and be be loud and build rapport, like off the bat. And I don't think you have enough information to immediately. I think you just. It's almost like there's a bit. It's a bit of a snowball effect. I think you start off slow and then it and then it grows and then you have the best relationship you could possibly build with with a with a person but um yeah it's working well for me so <laughs> so your gym environments um with the people that you are coaching um what kind of skill sets do you think they naturally develop which enables them to be more resilient outside of the gym have you got any like you don't have to name names, but are there 
case studies where you're seeing people are just making really good changes and they're becoming much more consistent and likely they're consistent because they're not um, succumbing to stresses or um, people outside telling them to do certain things that really isn't good for them. Um, yeah. Are there any particular skill sets that you think like naturally being in a gym environment just makes you more mentally resilient overall? Um, I think one thing that we do really well, which crosses over and changes mindset from a, from a, a confidence perspective in, in what people are doing is that for me, it was a big change when I started doing CrossFit and when I started to, to train for performance over aesthetics, as much as, the bulk of our clientele are aesthetic based, you know, they, they want to lose weight. They want to do this. They want to put on weight and get bigger muscle, whatever it's going to be. We still very much coach them from a performance and movement aspect, and, and get them bought into the, the process of like long-term health versus like losing weight and, and getting bigger muscles and dropping a dress size or whatever is all like part of, of the journey that we're going to be on versus like a, a short term, let's do this, let's do weight. And, and at the back of that, we got weird one the other day and, and she won't mind me saying, I won't mention her name, but she's been with us for about a year and uh, we actually used it as a, um, as a, uh, that went out on Facebook and as a testimonial, someone before as a testimonial, and, and hers was, you know, she wasn't, she has lost weight. She does, she moves so much better than when she was first with us. But the biggest thing for her was that last year she went around on holiday and they were down on the south coast and they did rock pooling and they did bits and bobs like that and they went went to a water park, uh, one of those inflatable ones like they they have, and uh, and she's falling in and out of the water and stuff like that and and can't pull herself back up onto this inflatable water thing, and she went back to the same place this year. And she's doing all this type of stuff and she's not getting out of breath and she's not. So her self-confidence and her confidence and her ability of what she's doing with her kids has like gone through the roof. And you can tell from the mindset that she brings into the gym now, you know, it's, I'm sure there is a, a performance outcome, uh, sorry, a, a goal outcome, like down the line with her, but she's not driven to come to the gym now because of, something's broken i need to fix it she comes to the gym now because this is part of her her routine her life and it's so it builds up to this bigger happier place that she's in um so i guess referring back to your question is from a training aspect you know i've written down one of the things here one of my questions to you guys that we'll go into in a minute is like do you can you teach mental resilience or can you teach mental toughness to someone and I'm not sure we do anything with our clients specifically to teach them that. However, depending on how extreme it is from their experiences coming into the gym, like maybe we expose them to some things that they're not would previously have not been comfortable with. And that exposure they've become accustomed to and got used to and become comfortable with. And all of a sudden it isn't, it isn't a, a scary situation for them anymore. And that type of thing now crosses over to things outside. You know, we go back to this member, would she have gone on that water park again this time around if she hadn't have gone to the gym and she knew how much she struggled last year? You know, would she have put herself in that situation again, knowing that she couldn't get herself up out of the water? Maybe not. Well, so you, the experiences that you're giving her at the gym are then 
change the her perception of what other stresses are. Yeah. So if we're saying adversity stress, you know, stress is the more neutral term. Getting up onto the inflatable was the original stress. Now her perception of that is completely changed. So it's no longer a stress. So she's able to maintain her, you know, the skill set that she was been training to do. So I think you're right. I think the gym and the stuff that you guys do definitely put people in an environment which tests them. And then ultimately, because they become, to use your language, more confident at doing certain things. It then changes their perception of what the stress is to the point where it's no longer a stress. And so they're able to do it. So they, whenever people think of mental resilience, they do think of like really extreme examples, like the David Goggins example. Mm. But people outside of that, you know, their David Goggins example might be something as simple as the, the case study you described. Um, you know, the stresses can come from different angles and it's our perception of the stress, which makes it great. So if we can get into a situation where we're learning sort of mindset skills that enable us to change that and tackle um, obstacles like that, mm-hmm. then that's, that's, that's developing mental resilience, I think. Yeah, I think it comes, I think it, it, to pinpoint, it comes down from a mindset view on it. Um, and, like in a gym environment, sometimes you may be, as long as you're coached well, like you won't be, you almost won't be put through, you won't, you won't be set up to fail, but what you'll be set up to do is challenge something you thought you were going to fail. Yeah, ask ask questions yourself. So then when, when you do it and you don't fail, it's like, actually, yeah, I can do more of that. Um, like like a similar like you said about the stress, it doesn't then become a. It's not even a stress because you've not introduced f- failure. So I guess what I'm saying is, in the gym we're practicing, uh, like not intentionally, but practicing that you can get close to failure and still, not even failure. You're not even near near failure, but you can see things as how you would potentially fail or before you may have failed, but basically overcoming obstacles, right? So yeah, yeah. Um an obstacle in a way that might be a deadlift or a box jump. I think box jumps are uh, I and mean, in CrossFit it was always like the hand do i think that's something that we need to be teaching all of our clients and stuff? Not necessarily, but we use that as an example of like people have fears of jumping up onto a, onto a wooden box and they just look at it and they're like, no, nah, no, nah, I, I just can't do that. And then it comes to you build them up and, you, you know, you put a structure in place that at some point in their journey, they're going to address this and see if we can do it. But you've built them up with so many low hanging fruits that's, that's got their confidence up that, you know, they feel like they can, they feel like they can go for this. And then when they do that, you know, then building them up to that fear of jumping on a box, going back to week one, is just the same as, as as an outside, you know, like applying for a job or or other stresses that come into the family, being scared of not being able to pay the bills or whatever it's going to be, and actually, you know, build, putting a structure in place and, and figuring out a way that it is going to happen. Yeah. But there's, there's less to lose. We, there's less to lose in the gym as well, right? Like, they've got very little to lose. Like, if they, they don't do it, it's we've put it in a safe environment that, Okay, cool. Well, then we're going to 
change it slightly and have another go. But they've not lost anything out the back of it. Maybe a bit of pride, maybe a bit of like... Yeah. It's harder to catastrophize because whatever you fail at is not going to have a huge effect on your life. But uh, the effects of training for that will have a really good transfer, I think. Yeah. And it's almost the power of the reflection of training, like where you come from in day one. Like I think would really help set up that that toughness. Well, day one, I never thought I'd have been here, but I'm here now. So, And then they can almost vision that, well, in, in another six months' time, I'm going to be here because I've come from there. So it's, it, it almost makes seeing what wasn't achievable, achievable. And that, and knowing that you're in the right hands to do it. I guess. Obviously that plays a role, but um, yeah. So the power of reflection. Yeah. I think that should be another round table. Mm. Oh, we man. could, we could talk for an hour about reflection and self-awareness yeah yeah mate guys that was awesome let's call it there uh really good stuff uh i certainly learned a lot about mental resilience in just this hour and the stuff that i did beforehand so really good to uh, throw out ideas and definitions that i've got but you know flush out proper ideas and really see how mental resilience can be trained even if indirectly and how much that transfers well to everyday life. So cheers for that, guys. And uh, right, let's move on to the next one, episode four, a bit later. Take it easy, guys. See ya. Bye.